for the scriptures that we've heard this morning. Good morning, Hillcrest. Oh, great to be here. And for you that are online, great to have you online with us on this Pentecost Sunday. And uh, we're, we're just going to, I just want to tell you a little bit because some of you might say, well, what is Pentecost Sunday? Pentecost Sunday is a time when churches all over the world remember and celebrate what happened almost 2,000 years ago on the day of Pentecost. But you say, well, how does that work? Well, it went like this. In the Jewish calendar, there was the most important holiday or, or celebration of the year was Passover. When they celebrated the leaving of Egypt and the night when the death angel came over and all the homes of their homes that had blood on the doorposts, uh, the, the oldest one did not die. And the angel passed over. And they celebrated that year after year after year after year. But the next feast in their calendar was one that was 50 days after Passover. And it was 50, Pente, Pentecost, was that celebration 50 days later. Well, we celebrate Pentecost Sunday or Pentecost Day because Jesus rose from the grave the morning at the, at the very end of Passover. And then for 40 days, he walked with his disciples. He showed himself to his disciples. He taught them up to 500 people saw him during those 40 days. And then one day, at the, on the 40th day, they were t- talking together on the uh, Mount of Olives. And all of a sudden, he ascended into heaven. But he told his disciples before that, you go into Jerusalem and you wait for the promise of the Spirit. He had said before, he said, it's better that I go away. It's better that I go away. Because if I go away, I will send my comforter. I will send uh, the one who's going to walk with you and guide you and give you direction. And so it's better that I go away. But go into Jerusalem and wait until my gift, the comforter, comes. So they went into Jerusalem. And for 10 days, they would meet every day and they were praying. And then on that great celebration day of the Feast of of Pentecost, where the, the, uh, the Israeli people were coming together from all over, thousands of them coming to the temple to worship on the day of Pentecost, this group was meeting together. I personally believe that they were probably meeting in the temple, maybe in Solomon's Colonnade. Uh, they were there, and as they were meeting there, all of a sudden, that promise of the Holy Spirit came upon them, and incredible things started to happen. There was a sound, a mighty sound of a rushing wind, and then there were flames that showed up over their heads, and they began to worship the Lord in languages they'd never ever learned, and it was a powerful time, and the Holy Spirit came upon them. That's the Pentecost day that we're celebrating, the coming of the Holy Spirit over everyone. And in everyone who desires to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you can be filled with it. It's it's ours. It wasn't just uh, for one person at one time, like in the Old Testament. It's over all of us. And what happened with that infilling of the, the Holy Spirit, they became bold. Peter became so bold, he began to preach, and he'd been so afraid before, and all these different things began to happen. That's why we celebrate Pentecost. So today's lesson, I'm going to share more about that in today's lesson. And today's lesson uh, in our Believe series is about kindness and goodness. Our key idea is, I'll choose to be kind and good in my relationship with others. And our key verse, 1 Thessalonians 5.15 
Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. You know, over the last months, we were, first of all, we were studying about what, uh, how a believer in Christ thinks, and then we were studying about how a believer in Christ acts, and now we're studying about how a believer in Christ is to be. How are we to be? What is supposed to be flowing out of us? And uh, today, we're going to talk about being kind and good. Now, in the last few weeks, Daisy talked about hope. And the first few lessons in this uh, part of, of being uh, had to do with our relationship with God. And now we're in a relationship with each other. How am I supposed to be in accordance with the people I walk with and live with? And so last week, Pastor uh, Kurt talked about patience, having patience one with another. And uh, today we're talking about kindness and goodness. Are you a kind person? How many of you are kind? <laughs> you're, you're afraid to raise your hand. And you that are watching me online, I can see you raising your hand, but then your wife's pulling it back down, right? Uh-huh. Uh, <clears throat> Are you a good person? You know, I think we get a little confused about some of these things. So let me explain some. But before we do that, let's go to Luke chapter 6. And let's read what it says here. In Luke chapter 6, verse 27 to 31. But you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Are you still a good person? Are you doing good things to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, hit them again. No, turn them to the other. Turn your cheek and let go. Oh. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give. Give. To who? To everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's a golden rule, right? I was in high school, and one day the teacher asked my friend Herschel, who was sitting next to me, what's the golden rule, Herschel? And he was kind of struggling to get the answer, and so I whispered to him, do unto others before they do unto you. And all of a sudden I heard, Doug! And the teacher had overheard what I had said. She said, you know better than that. And I said, yeah, I do. <laughs> it's not do unto others before they do unto you. It's do unto others as you would have them do unto you, right? That's kindness. You know, sometimes it's easy to do maybe a random act of kindness, the other day I was going out of the supermarket and the little lady in front of me, something bounced off her cart and hit the ground. I quickly picked it up because I could see that she was going to struggle to bend over, picked it up and put it back on her cart. That's just a random act of kindness that you can do anytime, anywhere. It's really, you know, okay, yeah, anybody will do that. That's, your, your, that, that's just those acts. But you've got to be careful. Why do you do certain acts? Why do you certain do kindness? Because of what people are watching? This is what they expect of you? This is what you have to do? 
You know, like the guy who's who's trying pulling his car out of parking space and he dings the car in front of him and people on the on the sidewalk heard the noise and they start looking and so he gets out and takes a piece of paper and he goes over there and he writes the note, uh, I'm here, I dinged your car, the people are watching me so they think I'm giving you my phone number but I'm not and he folds it up and puts it under the wind, uh, windshield wiper and leaves. Uh, I don't know if some of our acts of kindness are kind of by being forced or pushed that's out in the public. But when we really get down to the real tough part is, what are your acts of kindness in your home with the people you work with? How kind are you at home? You're sitting there in your chair and someone says, would you go get this or would you pick that up or you need to do this? And have you ever heard these words? Get it yourself. Who was your slave last year? Drop dead. You're not my boss. It's not fair. It's mine. It's my right. It's, that's not my job. How many of you heard those words? How many of you are honest enough to say you used them? <laughs> it gets even tougher. Yeah. How about kindness like that? Uh, all of a sudden, this is going to cost me something. I don't, I don't want to, I'm not going to do that. But out in the public, maybe we're, oh, we're so kind and good and doing nice things. What's the spirit behind it? Some of you have watched Everyone Loves Raymond. There was one episode that you maybe might remember where a suitcase is left at the bottom of the stairs and nobody wants to take it upstairs. You remember that, some of you? Uh, he thinks she should take it up. and he, So it sits there for weeks. <laughs> the next time he's going to go, he puts everything in a plastic bag because he won't go and take the suitcase. A little exaggerated, but that happens in many of our homes because there's something wrong. If you don't get anything else out of what I'm saying this morning, write this down, memorize it. As my daughter Dina would tell her kids, write it on your sleeve. Okay, here's the basic thing. Selfishness is the biggest obstacle to kindness. Selfishness, what I want, what is more important to me. I can't do that. I won't do that. Selfishness is the biggest obstacle to kindness. You know, are you tired of kind of working at being kind and doing nice things? The lessons that we're sharing with you in these, these weeks are based on Galatians chapter 5, um, verses 22 and 23. In verse 22 it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and goodness. Isn't it interesting what it's saying here? It's saying if you're filled with the Spirit, the fruit that will be coming out, not because you're working hard to do it, oh, i got to be good, i got to be kind. It, it, the fruit that is coming out is because the Spirit of the Lord is in me and it's guiding me. And being filled with the Spirit, all of a sudden, this is the product. The product is love, joy, peace, and Kindness and goodness. You're not working at it. You're just doing it because that's the spirit that is behind what everything that you do. The way you think. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is something incredible. Being guided by the Holy Spirit. He said, I'll be your comforter. I'll be your guide. I'll walk beside you. I will fill you. I will guide you. And that's what 
out of that, the natural fruit that comes is the fruit of the Spirit, which is kindness and goodness. Not guided by unholy spirits. We're surrounded by unholy spirits. I try to limit myself to watching the news only once a day. And even sometimes that's a struggle. Because you know what I see when I watch the news? I see the spirit of the unholy one. Unholy spirits. Just think. I was just thinking about the last three or four uh, news broadcasts. And what, what's it talking about? It's talking about hatred. Anger. Fear. Just pumping fear lately into people. Murder. Twisted sexual ideas. Drug deaths. Greed. Suicide. This is what we hear all the time. Because this is the unholy spirit at work in this world. This is the unholy spirit that is trying to take over this whole world. And we need to be guided by the Holy Spirit, not the unholy spirit of this world, of the enemy. I would wish I was guided by the spirit continually, and I I desire for him to direct me. But I want to remember, I want to tell you about a story that happened a number of years ago when I was pastoring in Edmonton. Uh, a lady came to me after the service and introduced herself, and I, rec- I recognized her name because she was the sister-in-law of a very, very good friend of ours. I'd never met her, but she kind of shared that she was from Swift Current, and she was in Edmonton because her son was struggling with cancer, and she was there just to kind of help him. He was in his early 40s, possibly late 30s, early 40s, and, uh, and she was there to, to kind of help. And so we talked a little bit because of our mutual uh, 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 friendship with another person and uh, and she left I didn't think about her for a while but one morning when I was in my prayer time all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just put it in you gotta call her you gotta call that lady I went to my office as soon as I was done in my prayer time I went to my office I called her and uh, said can I help you she began to weep She said, oh, pastor, you don't know. Last night was terrible, she said. My son has been so sick, and he wants to go to the bank and do this, and he wants to go to another office and do some paperwork there, and he wants to, and I can't drive in this city, and he can't drive, and we were just at the end of ourselves, and I cried out last night, I need help, Lord, I need help. And the Holy Spirit heard her and nudged me. I we had a busy day. I changed it all. I went. I picked them both up. I took them out, and he was able to go into the bank and do the things he needed. The other office and doing things he needed. Uh, I think he worked as a he had worked as a um, a mechanic in in on, in the oil field. So on the way back, he said, "We got to stop at Tim Hortons." I think that maybe was his office originally. We went into Tim Hortons. He was so sick. He couldn't drink anything. Anything. He just wanted to sit there. He insisted that I had something, and then I took him back to his apartment. Three days later, he died. If I hadn't listened to the Holy Spirit, I wouldn't have been able to help that man and his mother. You know, kindness doesn't come out of, oh, i got to go out there and look for somebody to do this. No, it's something that the Holy Spirit will prompt you. Now, the rest of that story is, uh, weeks later, I was planning to make a trip to Central America I really didn't have the finances for it, but I was going by faith. I need to go down, and I need to do some ministry down there. And I received a letter from this lady 
in Swift Current, and it said, we've just settled up our son's affairs, and he would want you to have this, and there was the exact amount that I needed to make that trip. I wrote her back thanking her and said, I pray that on this trip I'll be able to touch somebody in Central America for your son. See, kindness, you start doing kindness, and acts of kindness will stimulate, and the Holy Spirit will stimulate things to happen. It's important. In Luke chapter 6, verse 45, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So when we say, oh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm kind. What you been saying lately? How you been talking at home? How have you been talking to your brother or your sister or your mom or your kids? What's been coming out of your heart? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking words of encouragement and direction? Or is it the unholy spirit? Let's talk a little bit about goodness. I kind of like it in the, in the Believe book where he mentions that uh, kindness and goodness maybe aren't twins, but they're more like cousins. <laughs> goodness is helping others in a good way. Helping others. Because we desire and, we, and, and we're stimulated to help them. Now, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and guided by the Holy Spirit on how we help others and where that help should be and how we should do that. I remember <clears throat> uh, hearing a, a, a politician in Central America who was talking about a big program that had been uh, initiated in the North where they were going to send a whole bunch of money, I think it was, into some project in Central America. And <laughs> the guy said, you know what? They're scratching us where we don't itch. Sometimes our good deeds, we're scratching people where they don't itch because we haven't heard what the Holy Spirit is saying. Hey, it's time to do. It's time to help in this area. It's time to give. Sometimes it's time not to give. Sometimes we need to be led by the Spirit in the good things that we do and how we help others. Uh, even, you know... Uh, Thank you so much for the help that you, the money that we raised for uh, uh, El Salvador, for Guatemala, for the putting a, a roof on a building and all of that. And, you know, when those projects come up, I say, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he stimulates me toward what I should give and, and the projects I should be involved in. And there's some projects I should be and there's some projects I shouldn't be. But I need the Holy Spirit to show that to me. Um, sometimes it's tough love. This could involve speaking the truth in love or even withholding something that could harm the person. Sometimes we have to do that. You know, sometimes parents would rather take the quick and easy instead of the good, slow, continuous path when they're training their children. Oh, that's hard sometimes to say no to your kids when they want something or, or, or to correct them lovingly. That, that's real hard. You know... Someone said when the, the adult comes into the room and the kids are yelling at each other, it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. And they just come in and just say, get out of here. And he said, adults or parents really don't want justice. They just want quiet. And I think that's true sometimes. <laughs> One of my daughters, 
I'm not going to tell you which one because most of you know my two daughters. <laughs> one of my daughters and I went through a struggle. She was maybe three or four at the time. And every day it seemed like I had to correct her. And then uh, it usually happened in the afternoon. And then in the evening when I would tuck her in, I'd say, um, what happened this afternoon? She'd say, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. And I'd say, you know, this and this happened, and you know why I had to discipline you like that? Because if you can't learn to listen to me and your mom, you won't listen to the Lord, and you need to learn how to listen to the Lord. I'm so thankful that she learned her lesson. Today she listens to the Lord all the time. <laughs> and, uh, but you know, sometimes that's hard. It would have been easier sometimes for me just to walk away and let her go off in a rebellious attitude and not correct and not do that. But doing good sometimes means that you have to be hearing the Spirit and being guided by good. In, uh, we moved to Central America. One of the things we had to get used to is you'd stop at a red light and there'd be somebody out there with their hand out. Uh, right off, uh, we came up to one light, and there was a lady there, and she was holding just a tiny little baby. And, uh, oh, your heart got, oh, man, I think I've got to help her. You know what? For 16 years that we lived there, she was always on that corner with a tiny little baby. <laughs> My wife surmised that she'd already probably had her kids out there when they were tiny and then her grandkids, and now she's probably holding her grand, great-grandkids out there so that, she could, so that she could get some money. And you had to ch check. So I, I, I'd say, Holy Spirit, guide on who should I help when you, know, you stop your car and somebody comes up and has their hand out. Now, if they were working, I, I didn't mind helping you. If they're trying to sell you something, okay, I'll buy some chiclets off you. Uh, but if they're just standing out, the young people standing out there with their hand out, I can't give them anything. Now, it used to be it, when we'd park our car, uh, someone would come up to a youth or a, a, actually sometimes an older man would come up and say, watch your car. And say, sure. And they're going to watch your car. And the, the trick was, if you came back and you could drive away without them coming to charge you, you didn't have to pay anything because they weren't watching your car, right? So you'd go by, and uh, if they were there, you'd give it to it. My friend Bill Lindbergh, one day, is parking his car. A little four-year-old boy comes up to him. Watch your car, mister. <laughs> he looks at the little guy and says... And what would you do if somebody came to do something in my car? And the little guy says, I'd tell my mommy. And there's a lady sitting under a tree over there. He was working. <laughs> I'd tell my mommy. <laughs> um, one day, I had a van full of students from Eston College, and we pulled up to a red light, and a young man came up, had his hand out, and I said, I don't have anything. And uh, when we got back... One of the girls who was seated behind me uh, in, the, in the van overheard what I said, and she actually spoke French and English and knew a bit of Spanish, and she said, i got a problem, Doug. I said, what's that? You know that guy was asking for help, and you said, you, we don't have any. We've got all kinds of things. We've got all kinds of things we could, we could have given him. And I said, oh, I'm sorry. I should have said to him, and I hope you understand, I don't have anything for you. Why? 
because you're a teenager and you could be out there working at a job and doing something. You could, you could be earning that. And if I just give that to you, I'm going to be teaching you something wrong. See, sometimes doing good has to be filtered through the Holy Spirit and say, hey, I can't give that to him. I can't do that. Help me, Holy Spirit, to know and be filled with uh, kindness and goodness so that the people around me are blessed by what's happening, not just my idea that, well, i got to go out and solve everybody's problem. I'm going to move on and tell, uh, we're going to go to a story in the Old Testament in the book of Samuel. And I'm just going to tell you the story. In Samuel, you'll find this in 2 Samuel 9. Uh, most of it is in there. Some of it's in, in, in 1 Samuel. But uh, I just want to tell you a story. It goes back to the time of King Saul. King Saul was made the first king of Israel. And uh, he had a son, Jonathan. And then uh, David, the shepherd boy, came to sing his, play his harp in the, in, in the palace when King Saul had a terrible spirit. And Jonathan and David became best friends. As the Australians say, they were mates. Uh, they, they, uh, they really cared for each other. They became best friends. It came to a time when Saul's jealousy over David caused him to have to flee from Saul's presence. But before he left, him and Jonathan got together and they, they made a, a pact between them. If you become great and everything, please show kindness to my family. Will you show? And if, and if it happens to you, then you please show kindness to my family. From there, David had to flee for years. Saul pursued him with his armies. And then, all of a sudden, there's a big battle with the Philistines, and Saul and Jonathan are killed. The news comes back to the palace. And in those days, when the king was killed, they would come in and kill all of his descendants to wipe out that line so that a new king could take over without anything from the, the, the previous king. Even in the one situation where the grandmother killed all her kids and all her, her, her grandkids so that she could be uh, and only one little baby survived. But in this case, as the fear came upon the palace and they picked up everybody and they fled, the nurse that was carrying Jonathan's five-year-old boy slipped and dropped him and he fell and he damaged both of his feet. And they went off into hiding. Years later, David has become king. He is the great king of Israel. Everybody's loving him. Uh, he has uh, enlarged all of their, uh, their property and made it just a peaceful, wonderful place to live. And he's sitting back and he's thinking, Jonathan, I wonder if there's somebody I could do good for, for Jonathan. He remembered that pact about saying we'd do kind things. So he remembers a servant of Jonathan. He calls him in, and this old guy, he says, is there any of Jonathan's house that's still living? And the old guy, I can see him just kind of there. Well, yeah, yeah, he didn't know what he should say. but he, Yeah, well, he's got one son, but he's a cripple, you know. He's, he's not much of anything, but uh, who is he? Well, his name is Mephibosheth. Well, where is he? Well, he lives in Lodabar. 
Now, the word Lodabar really meant no pasture. It was a barren place. It was a dry place. Some said it was without food. It was just, it was off a, 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 a no place. And David says, go get him. I want him. Can you imagine? Here was this Mephibosheth, a grown man who had been hiding out from royalty all his life, a cripple living in someone else's home, and all of a sudden, there's the king's men are at the door asking for him. The king wants to see you. The fear must have come into his life and into his heart. So they take him to David. He falls down before David with his face in the ground and said, I'm roadkill. <laughs> Literally, he said, I'm a dead dog. I'm nothing. Why do you care about me? And David, his heart filled with kindness, says Mephibosheth, get up. I'm going to give you back all of your father's land and anything that's there and all of the valuable things. You can have all of that. The whole inheritance is yours but you're going to come and eat at my table every day from the land of nothingness, no pasture, barrenness, to sitting at the king's table every day. Uh, Chuck Swindoll, in his book, um, The Grace Awakening, tells this story and, and just kind of amplifies a little bit. And it went something like this. The dinner bell rings at the palace. And they start streaming in. There's Absalom and Ammon and the other sons, Solomon and others. They're coming in to sit at the table. And then there's uh, the, the important people in the kingdom. The military general comes in and, and, and the prophet and these different ones come in and all sit at the table. A table that's loaded with all of the food that the king supplies. And then as they're seated there, they hear a when they all turn and look in to the dining room comes this cripple on his crutches. David turns to the general sitting beside him and says, Sir, would you mind taking that seat back there? This one's been reserved. Mephibosheth, come here. And he makes his way slowly down to sit next to the king. And he pulls up his chair and slips his wounded feet under the tablecloth and enjoys the food and drink of the king. You know that story, the kindness in David's heart? David didn't have to do that. But that story takes us back. You and I have suffered great crippleness and deformity because of a huge fall. A fall that happened back in the Garden of Eden. That fall damaged all of us so that we were born in sin. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We're all twisted. We're all deformed. We're all cripples. And yet, because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and his wonderful grace, the king says, come and dine. Come and sit at my table. Come and dine. Put your feet under the wonderful t 
tablecloth of my grace and my mercy and my forgiveness that I bought on the cross of Calvary, and you are forgiven. Come and dine. I want to fill you with my spirit. I want to fill you with my love. I want, and the goodness and the kindness of our Lord and Savior becomes so real to us. All of a sudden, I'm not a cripple anymore. I have been forgiven. I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. He's filling me with his spirit. I want to live that way. I want to walk that way. I want to be a productive person, not a cripple anymore. I don't want to be caged in by fear and anxiety and the spirits of this world. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit and dine at the king's table every day. Are you dining at the king's table? Do you spend time in his presence? If you want to be filled with the spirit, you need to spend time in his presence and allow his spirit to speak into your heart. Oh, that's incredible. That's incredible. Come and dine, the master calls. We used to sing that. Come and dine. Oh, let's open our hearts to him today. Now, before I pray, I want to just talk to anyone who's listening to this who might say, I, I don't really understand everything you're talking about, but I do realize that I've got problems. You're recognizing the deformity and the crippled areas in your life, those where you're really struggling. And I just want to say, all you need to do is cry out to the Lord Jesus and say, Lord, Jesus, I forgive me. I know that I'm crippled and deformed, but cause your spirit to come in me and guide me. And you could pray something like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I need you. I desperately need you. Fill me with you, with your spirit. Forgive me all of my twisted deformities and fill me with you, with your spirit. Amen. You know, the Lord is so good. He has blessed us over and over again, and he's going to keep doing that. Have a blessed Pentecost Sunday.